Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in, listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Welcome. Welcome, all of you watching online. It's a, it's a day to celebrate, and uh, those of you who are Christ followers, every day is a day to celebrate, and uh, we celebrate together, collectively, corporately today. It's going to be a powerful morning. I'd like to ask you to stand with me. For those of you who are new, uh, it's your first time to Mosaic, we do a Bible confession. Uh, you know, the Bible talks very clearly. Paul said, we believe, therefore we speak, and uh, so we believe in the Word of God, so we declare it every week. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, as we go through the week, I would like to ask you to be praying for the Sri Lankan uh, believers uh, early on Sunday in their time zone. Uh, suicide bombers came to several churches and, and blew them up, and 200 people have been confirmed dead, and over 500 have been taken to the hospital. And I don't say that to scare you. I say that to let you know that this was our family. There are two kinds of families that we all experience, the family of origin and a family of choice. As the body of Christ, we are the family of God. And so we prayed for uh, them at the first service and the families of those who uh, lost loved ones, those who are suffering right now, wondering if those injured will survive. Please keep them in your prayers. Today we're going to talk, of course, about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but in a more specific way. Uh, we understand corporately, collectively today that not just in the United States of America but around the world, churches who believe in the crucifixion, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ are celebrating Easter all over the globe. It is the most recognized uh, worship day in the world. And today we recognize it here, but I want us to recognize the resurrection power of God in everyday living. The Apostle Paul put it this way, he said, I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection. Oftentimes we live a random Christian life uh, hoping for good things, almost like uh, we have luck with God. And uh, when I got born again, my little mother who prayed for me all the time said, I don't believe in luck, I believe in Jesus. And uh, so I've always remembered that, and I do believe that the Bible says the footsteps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. When we get born again, we become the righteousness of God in Christ. And the resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in us. That means the very power that lifted him up out of that dead condition can now raise us up out of dead dreams and dead desires, things that we've given up on. And all of us have either given up on things thought about giving up on things, not giving it our best to, to see the things that are in us come to pass or come true. 
I love to see people who many years ago, for whatever reason, out of high school, they didn't have time to, to get a degree, didn't have the money, got married, something happened. Love it when I hear them say in their 40s or 50s, I, I decided to go back to college and get my degree. A part of it says, you know what, that was my dream and now I'm going to do it. Uh, sometimes we let dreams die. We let them just uh, remain calm or still. Uh, but when we wake up every day, I believe that there are two forces, invisible forces, that wage war against one another according to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. There is the force of darkness that comes to steal, kill, and destroy, John said. And then there's the spirit of light and life, which is Christ, who comes that we might have life and have it more abundantly. And so with the awareness that those forces battle each other, we need to be aware that Satan is very aware of why we celebrate today, why we celebrate every day. He is known as the thief, the one who comes to steal, to kill and destroy the dreams, the destiny, and the purpose of all mankind because he knows he has seen heaven. The Bible says in Isaiah 14 that he was cast out of heaven as the worship leader of heaven because he wanted to be worshipped instead of giving worship to God. So he's seen what we've yet to see. He knows things that we don't know. That's why when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, Satan actually quoted Scripture, leaving out one very critical verse uh, in order to try to tempt Jesus and trip him up. Jesus would not be tempted or tripped up because he knew the Bible. He knew he was the Word. Before it was ever in ink, it was in him, and he was it. And so what we need to recognize today is that in our lives, we need to live purposeful Christian lives. We need to intentionally be followers of Christ. And the way that we do that is we know his promises and, and that we spend time trying to grow and learn more about what God has to say uh, and then we can use what he has to say to live a better life. Every Easter is a special time and every pastor prepares really hard and thinks really hard about Easter because we know that this is our one big shot. This is it. And, uh, and so a pastor realized every year, for years, he had been preaching in this small community and, and knew a lot of the families and a lot of the people. And, of course, on regular Sundays, the church was about half as filled as normal. So every year, because it was a small community and very people, few people moved in, very few moved out, he kind of knew what to expect and who to look for. And on uh, this particular Easter Sunday, he's preaching, and he's looking at the wonderful crowd that he had there in that small community, and he saw a man that for years he had noticed that this man would show up every Easter and every Christmas. And so he thought, today, I'm finally going to have a conversation with him. So after he preached, he, he ran to the front doors, he's greeting people, and he's waiting on this gentleman to finally make his way toward the exit of the church, and he finally shows up, and the pastor grabs him by the hand, shakes his hand, puts his left hand on his forearm, letting him know this is going to be a really critical thing I'm going to say to you. And he said, young man, he said, it's time for you to enlist in the army of God. And the man looked back at him as resolute as the pastor looked at him, and he said, you know, pastor, he said, I am a part of the army of the Lord. And the pastor said, well, I only see you on Easter and Christmas. And he looked back at the pastor and he said, I'm in secret service. <laughs> so let me just go on and right now say, Merry Christmas to a lot of you. 
So glad that you're here today. I'll be looking for you at the front door. You know, I'm old enough now, and I've been doing this for a long time. I preached my first sermon in July of 1978, and I still question why in the world God would call somebody like me. But I've been doing this a long, long time, and I've watched for a long, long time, and, and God has allowed me to see a lot of things and experience a lot of wonderful things. I have a whole different outlook on life than I've ever had. When I look at you, I, I look at you with incredible love and compassion and, and uh, as people that Jesus gave his life for, and rose from the dead so that you could have life. And what bothers me more than anything at my age as a pastor who's been preaching since 1978 is how every day people are robbed from the joy of the Lord, from a peace that passes all understanding, from knowing that the power and strength of God lives in you and that your success and your failures are nothing of a surprise to God and any success is because of His Spirit in us. And that what troubles me more than anything is knowing that every day we as the people of God have the promises of God resident in us, in our thoughts and in our minds, and yet we rarely apply many of those promises. In fact, we live our lives most of the time under the circumstances in conditions we don't want to live because we have not thought through what God did when he sent his son and what Easter is really all about, or Resurrection Sunday or weekend is all about, that Paul said, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. There's power in the resurrection, and it's not just a, a power that exists in the universe that is amongst the galaxies. It's a power that comes to live in us. That's how come Paul told the church at Ephesus that he's able to do more than we can think or imagine according to the power that works in us. We're no longer just a, a people that were created by God, but we're a people who are known by God. And the Bible says that those who know him shall do great exploits. So to be known and to know him is a game changer in life. But the thief comes to steal, kill, and to destroy, to take from you and to take from me and to take from us that peace that Jesus paid for, that joy that he gave his life for, that grace and mercy that come through a, an empty tomb. We oftentimes don't live in that place of solace because we're troubled by looking at our own lives and our own shortcomings. But Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. We need to lift him up. And we need to exalt him and realize greater is he who's in us than all that's going on in our world. And that Jesus came for that purpose. In a world that is immediate, 24-7, news, weather, sports, whatever it is, we've got it all. And it's all available to us so fast that we cannot process all of the data that comes into our mind and our thinking. It's difficult when bad news is inundating our lives and our homes, our televisions, our iPhones, our iPads, our computers. It's difficult to remain focused on the promises of God. It's even more difficult if we don't know the promises of God. I grew up in a home where my mother prayed all the time. I've told you before, my name was in her Bible more than either one of my brothers. I got her Bible. 
I looked at all the prayers she prayed for me. And I went, oh my goodness, she knew more than I thought she did. But I, I couldn't, in my day, they didn't have, you know, I, I remember when the Living Bible came out, it was controversial because everybody believed that the King James was the only authoritative word of God. And I think that was demonic because I still don't understand the King James today and I have a master's degree. I don't know that the ones who wrote it understood it. I mean, the, there are more these and thous and the, 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 the. But today we have Bibles that are written so that we can understand. And the reason we read the Bible, the reason we listen to the Bible is not to impress God, but to allow Him to impress upon us what He has to say and what He has for our lives. It's important that we never forget. There was an elderly gentleman that was seated on a park bench one beautiful sunny day in a rather busy park, and he's sitting there weeping and crying to the point where you could actually hear, not just see the tears, but you could hear him. And so finally, one young man decided that he would approach him, even though that's a risk nowadays, and he went over and said, Sir, I'm, I'm so sorry. I, uh, I couldn't help but notice that you were crying. I heard your cries, and, and I, I, I'm sorry if I'm interrupting, but uh, what seems to be the problem, if you don't mind me asking? He said, I'm married to a woman beautiful woman, 30 years younger than me. He said, God so blessed me. And he said, every morning I get up, she makes waffles and pancakes and eggs and, and squeezes fresh juice for me. And he paused and he wept again. The young man said, sir, I, I don't understand. So, so why are you crying? You know, every day at noon, she prepares the finest lunch after she gets done cleaning the house, and then she spends time rubbing my back and my shoulders, and she's just an incredible lady. The young man is perplexed. He goes, sir, I, I, I'm so sorry. I, I, I still don't understand. Can you help me? I want to help you. He said, son, every evening, there's nothing like her. She prepares this incredible meal, and she pairs the finest wine with a steak or chicken or, or the fish. He said, every evening, it's like that. And then she sits down and watches sports with me. The young man goes, sir, please, I don't understand. He said, I can't remember where I live. <laughs> it's important that you remember. It's important that we remember. Sometimes I, I, know, I know somewhere in the Bible it says God has something for me, but, but I don't remember. This is why many years ago, I created prayer lists that had nothing but Scripture on them. And every morning, I would get up and I would quote those Scriptures to remind myself that anything I encountered on any particular day, that God had an answer for it. It was right there in the Bible. The resurrection of Jesus Christ empowered us to live a victorious life. One person put it this way, Easter or resurrection is a time when God turned the, the inevitability of death into the invincibility of life. That no longer are we held prisoner by the error of our ways or by the sin that has dominated humankind since the Garden of Eden. That when Jesus came, 
It was the divine purpose of God for him to be the perfect sacrifice once and for all for sin. In the Old Testament, uh, all of the believers of Israel would have to go get a lamb from the flock. And it was the best lamb they could get. And they would bring it in and they would offer it as a sacrifice uh, for their sins. It was called the Day of Atonement, and they would be atoned for but not cleansed. God knew that there would need to be a lamb, and this time it wouldn't be a lamb from the flock. It would be the Lamb of God. And that perfect lamb, unstained without sin, would give his life for all of us so that the Spirit of God that raised him from the dead, the Bible says if it lives in us, if he, that Spirit, lives in us, that very Spirit that raised him will lift us and quicken our mortal bodies. We now have the authority of God and the power of God to live above the circumstances of life. It doesn't mean we won't have crises. It doesn't mean we won't have difficulty. We most certainly will. It is a promise. In John 16, 33, Jesus said, in the world you'll have tribulation, you'll have trouble. He said, but take courage, I've overcome the world. In between services, I met with a family that, that I've known for a long, long time. I've been their pastor for many, many years. And they came up to me and they said, we're having trouble. And tears began to roll down her cheek and eyes, and his eyes began to well up with water. And I said, tell me what the problem is. They said, we're just having trouble in our marriage. And, and they love each other, but they're sitting there crying. And, and, and I said, I've known you for a long time, and you're both fighters. Don't quit now. Don't give up. You have the promise of God that he'll never leave you nor forsake you. And whenever you use his name, he said, I'll do anything you ask in my name. We have that resource. We have access to the creator of heaven and earth and all the galaxies. We have access not just to eternity, but we have access to eternity here on earth. That's why Jesus said, pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, pray that the power of heaven be released in your life on earth. You don't have to live a random life. You don't have to live a lucky life. You don't have to live a life wondering what's next. You know in adversity and difficulty, greater is our God in you than everything going on in your world. And you have to rise up and you have to face it and you have to remember what he said. Though your enemies come at you from one direction, they'll flee in seven. No weapon formed against you is going to prosper, and every tongue that rises up against you will be defeated. Train your children up in the way they should go. When they're old, they'll not depart from it. You begin to speak God's word and bring him into remembrance. The prophet Isaiah said, God said, call me into remembrance of my word. It's not that God forgets. God just wants you to remind him of everything he's promised you so that you can live in the fullness of what he paid for. It would be an absolute shame if I came up to about five of you after this worship experience or let's say ten of you like the lepers and I came up and I said, I just got to tell you yesterday I went down to the Porsche dealership and I paid for ten Porsches and I knew that when I came on Sunday I was going to pick out ten people and I was just going to hand you the keys to the Porsche. And I looked at each one of you ten and I said, here's the key. But you got busy and you forgot after church that somebody had given you a Porsche. Because it seemed so far-fetched that it could not possibly be you and it could not possibly be true. And why would I go down there and make a fool of myself and go up to the dealer and say, I got a key to a Porsche and a pastor told me he bought me one. They would really run you out of there then. 
And some of you would hold that key and never go. Let me tell you something. Jesus promised to give us the keys to the kingdom, and many of us have never unlocked the door to the power of heaven, and we have not even begun to tap in to what Jesus paid for. That breaks my heart, and the reason I love preaching this gospel, this good news, is I want to stir you up and make you furious to live the life that Jesus paid for you to live. I refuse to quit and live my life under circumstances of what my past might look like because I don't look anything like my past, and neither do you. You know, we have a, a lot of things we think about when we, we think about heaven and hell. And on days like this, we, we think, man, I wonder really what, what's going on in the spirit world. And there is a spirit world. And there is a battle. And, and there is a war between good and evil, light and darkness. And the Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. There is a battle for your life, for your marriage, for your children, for your business, for your job. There is a war going on in heavenly realms to make your life hell. But we have a risen Savior that conquered death, hell, and the grave, and we have to remember that. And you'll have to rise up and, like Paul did, fight the good fight, run the race, keep the faith. One person said, somebody once told me the definition of hell. On your last day on earth, the person you became will meet the person you could have become. Who are you becoming? Or are you settled in the person that you became? The Bible says that we are going from glory to glory. If you're, not, if you're in the same phase of glory tomorrow that you are today, then you've taken a step backwards. We're called to go from glory to glory, from victory to victory. I've told many of you, you for years, there was a man that I pastored, and every Sunday I'd greet him at the front door, and he was an older gentleman, so I had a lot to learn from him. But every week he said the same thing. I'd look at him, and I'd say, how you doing? And I knew what he was going to say. He'd say, I'm richly blessed, highly favored, empowered to prosper, walking in divine health, going from victory to victory and glory to glory. But with you praying for me, I'm going to get better. How many people can say that? Why shouldn't we? You can have the worst day of your life and make that declaration because it's the promise of God. And that promise may not be activated right at that moment, but when you begin to speak it, you begin to activate it on your behalf. God begins to move because Jesus said, you ask anything in my name and I'll do it that the Father might be glorified in the Son. Some of you have been listening to the bad news, the wrong news, the stupid news, dumb news, lying news. You need to get your nose out of the noose because your neck will be in the noose if you don't. Everything's about what can sell. It's not about what is true. It's what sells. But I can tell you right now, everything in this big book has been true for thousands of years. And if you read this, I promise you there will be good news coming out. Yeah, there will be good news. Fear is removed. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 2, and God will free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. There is only one thing that makes a dream impossible to achieve, and that is fear itself. Fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear of what you might look like. <clears throat> fear. 
Fear will keep you from your destiny and your dreams. For years, I used to travel all over the world, and uh, I was in Kampala, Uganda, and uh, I was scheduled to go to Gulu, which was north of Kampala, and that's where uh, Kony had had his child soldiers, where he would train them. I don't know if you've ever heard of Joseph Kony, but he was well-known around the world, not just in church circles or religious circles, but in political circles, because he was taking child soldiers, abducting them at night, and he put a gun in their hand. He would require them to kill their parents first. If they could kill their parents, they could kill anybody else. I happened to be scheduled to go to the place where Joseph Coney was uh, abducting child soldiers. In fact, I was scheduled to be at the place where children would escape at night because they were afraid of being abducted by him, and they would go to this uh, pole barn where there was just a metal roof and poles and a little bitty cinder block wall about this big, and the kids, because they all stood for each other and they combined together, they knew they had to stand together or they were going to die together, and they would go at night and they would hide under this tin roof and they would sleep in stacks on each other, literally two and three deep at night just to keep from being abducted and I all of a sudden find myself having to fly to this place because I had committed to be there and everything in me is wrestling going well I want to live let me tell you I would rather live a short life in obedience to God than live a long life in misery outside of obedience to God and what made it even worse when I said well how do we get there they said I said it doesn't look that far on the map they said it's not but our roads are so bad we can't take cars It would take us a day, so we've rented an airplane for you. And so I I go, and and I I meet the pilot, and I'm going to be the co-pilot sitting in the co-pilot seat. And and so I go to meet the pilot, and I'm looking around. It's a 98-pound Asian woman. And this airplane would not pass an inspection in romper room. And so I get in, and she says, now, have you ever flown one of these? And I said, well, no, I've really only just kind of been in the cockpit of of several single-engine planes. I said, but I don't have a license. I said, she said, but when we get off the ground, you're flying this. And I went, well, it's a good day to go to heaven. And so we get off the ground, and I said, okay, where, where are the avionics, and what are we looking for? And, and I, I mean, this plane literally, twin engine, it, it looked like something off of Madagascar. <laughs> Parents know. I'm grandparents going, what's that? And so uh, she, she, we get up, she, I said, so where do you want me to go? I said, well, I looked at the avionics. It was this big on the dash. I'm thinking, I'm too old to even see that. She said, it's all right. You see that mountain way out there? I said, yeah. She said, fly toward that. I said, and then she falls asleep, and I went. Let me tell you something. You'll get into faith real quick. I'm like, come on, Jesus. Let me mount up on eagle wings, because I'm not sure these wings are going to make it. But I realized in that moment, God was dealing with me saying, do you trust me? We have all kinds of fears. Fears we're not going to have a job. Fears we're not going to have money to pay the bills. Fears we're going to die. You know what? Whenever Jesus becomes the Lord of your life, his perfect love, the Bible says, casts out fear. In John, or, uh, John chapter 
15, it says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. In that moment, it really wasn't about faith. It was about remaining in his love. That his perfect love would cast out fear. Whatever you're afraid of, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I just think about it this way. At my age, I, and there are days I wake up and I think, heaven's not going to be that bad. I know what you're thinking. Well, pastor, certainly. No, no, no. you got to understand. Now, you know, the Bible says no man knows the time or hour. I know why we don't know the time or hour. Because the type of person I am, I think, if God would just tell me when I was going to die, I would go buy a Lamborghini. I would buy the most expensive Lamborghini, and I would just go fast everywhere. And I would keep getting tickets. And it wouldn't matter because tomorrow I'm going to heaven. I'd look at the officer and say, you can give me the ticket if you want, officer. But I won't be here tomorrow. (laughs) Why? Well, because Jesus told me I'm going to heaven tomorrow. Oh, yeah, and my house payment's overdue. (laughs) Good luck with that mortgage company. And I would pray that it would be on April 15th or maybe even April 16th, and I wouldn't even pay my taxes. Wouldn't that be the coolest thing in the world to know? You can really freak people out and tell them you do. But living a life without fear is a blessing that comes with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Number three, the conditions changed. We no longer have to beg God. We're no longer distant from God. We're no longer just uh, his creation, but we're his family. And, And each one of us individually has the capacity to live like children of God because we are. As we exercise faith in him, we become a part of his family. And now we have his name. We have the keys to the kingdom. We have authority. Whenever things get rough, God is in the details, folks. Let me tell you. God is in the details. Every detail of our life, God wants to be involved Many, if not most, people won't let God be involved. They think he doesn't need to be involved. All you got to do is read the Bible and you see God in every detail. I think about the walls of Jericho. It's almost like, it's almost like God taunts. It's like he's an athlete. And he taunts. Can you imagine what it must have been like when God looked at Israel and said, Now, Jericho is the last fortified city you're going to have to uh, go through, around, or over to get to your promise. The last one. Can you imagine after 40 years, you're sitting there and you're looking at the biggest city that you've had to encounter to get from Egypt to your promise. And then God looks at him and says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to march around it for seven days. I want you to praise. I want you to sing. I want you to rejoice. Can you imagine the guys on the wall going, Israelites have lost their mind. They can't even pay attention. They're like, they're like, what is going on? And they march on the seventh day, said, blow the horns and shout seven times, and the walls will fall. Now, I'd be looking and going, Joshua is on meth. He did not visit God last night. Joshua's going, here's what we're going to do. Get ready to blow your little horns. Get all the band members out. Come on. Shout. Can you imagine all the guys trained in war and battle? They're sitting there going, uh, uh, uh. grunting man. God, no, we ain't using grunters. We're using shouters and blowers. 
you have Jericho resurrection power. It's time for you to turn and face the wall as Hezekiah did and cry out to God and say, God, I am challenging you. You say, would God do that? When you call God in remembrance of his word, it honors him and lets him know you believe. Starting over is an acceptance of a past we can't change, an unrelenting conviction that the future can be different, and a stubborn wisdom to use the past to make the future what the past was not. And I know what some of you are saying. You don't know my past. I don't need to know your past because Jesus died for your past and your sins have been separated from you as far as the east is from the west. All you have to do is call on his name. Your past doesn't matter except that you're going to build a found, use it as a foundation to build your future. And you will mock Satan and all of hell as you stand there and say, you thought you had me down. You thought you had me beat just like you did Jesus. But the very spirit that raised him from the dead when you thought he couldn't be raised, lives in me. Look out, devil, here I come. My best days are ahead. It's time for you to quit sitting around licking your wounds and hoping that good things might happen. It's time for you to make them happen. People have been sitting around waiting for their ship to come in. I challenge you to jump in and swim to the ship. Don't wait on it. It's waiting on you. Don't be talked out of what he died you into. You cannot outsend the cross. You cannot outsend the empty tomb. You cannot outsend the ascended Savior. The reason many people are not in church today is not because they don't love God, it's not because they don't want to know God. They're scared to death that God doesn't want to know them. What they don't know is he already does. And he still loves them. You came in here today, some of you going, man, I wish I hadn't have promised this at Christmas. <laughs> this guy's just way too excited. This can't be a church. He's more like a DJ at a nightclub. Come on, boogie Jesus. I'm going to. One day of unhappiness is a wasted day. Though we all have them, though we're all challenged by them, it's a wasted day. Jesus paid for joy unspeakable 365, 24-7. I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. And the thief comes every day. And you can know the difference. Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. The thief says, behold, I stand at the door and pick the lock. Trying to break into your soul. You have purpose. You have purpose, number four. Resurrection brought you purpose and destiny that you are called to live out. He keeps no record of wrong. We weren't paroled. We were pardoned. We don't have a parole officer. There's not an angel to come and visit you to make sure you're doing everything right. You were pardoned. He has forgotten your sin because he paid for it. Well, why, why do I feel the way I feel? Because maybe you haven't gone to the dealership and said, here's the key to my Porsche. Here's the key to my freedom. He's given you the keys to walk free. Lastly, we have community. 
because of Christ, he brought believers together from around the world. As one of my pastor friends says, we are one church in 400,000 locations. Whether you're Baptist, you're Catholic, Nazarene, Lutheran, Assembly of God. Don't get mad at me. Just having a little fun. We're one church in 400,000 locations called not to compare our expressions of worship, but called to share our experiences of faith. Part of a community. This is what community looks like through the eyes of a child. We learn more probably watching children than we do anything else. Children teach us. I have the privilege of having another little granddaughter sitting on the front row, beautiful little Hadley. Every time she comes and stays with us, she is a great teacher. She laughs and she has fun and she doesn't have a care in the world. And I'm telling you, she is a straight-A granddaughter. She is wonderful. And every time she's around us, I learn from her. I learn, I go, that little girl doesn't have a care in the world. She laughs, she plays, and honestly, I think she has wings. So one day, a little boy was playing in a neighborhood, lower class neighborhood, not, not very wealthy, but, you know, had, he's out on his front porch. His mama's right in there. The door's open, screen door's right there. And so mama's kind of watching from inside as she's doing her work, and little boy's out on the porch playing, and you can see his neighbor, it's just, you know, with shotgun houses just next door to each other. And, and he looks over at his neighbor as an elderly gentleman. He had been there since the boy was born. And the little boy grew up knowing who he was and knowing his wife. But on this particular day, the older gentleman sitting on his porch crying because his wife had passed away. And he's all alone. And the little boy's playing. And he looks over and he hears the sobs from this older gentleman. And he decides to go out his front gate and walk over the sidewalk to the front gate of the older man. He walks up the sidewalk, and makes his way up the steps, walks onto the porch, and he walks over to the older gentleman who's weeping, and he climbs up on his lap. Without breaking his moment of sorrow, the old man just kept crying and weeping and embracing the young man. It made him cry even more at the demonstration of love that this child was giving him. Many had visited him. Many had told him promises and things that that they thought might help him. But on this particular day, this young boy just climbed up into his lap, hugged him as the older gentleman hugged him back. After a period of time, the mother noticed that her son was not on the porch, and she kind of went out on the porch a little startled as she looked over. She heard the sobbing of her elderly neighbor. And she hollered at Johnny. And she said, Johnny, come home. It's time to eat supper. I'm sorry, but you need to come home. He politely climbed off of the elder gentleman's lap in obedience to his mother, and he walked back to his house. His mother was very curious. She said, son, what did you, what did you say? What did you do? 
He said, I didn't do anything, Mama. I just helped him cry. Sometimes it's not what we say. In a community, it's not our, our wisdom or the words that we often use. When I first became a pastor, the thing I dreaded the most was walking into a hospital room of someone who had been diagnosed with terminal cancer, given no time to live, and I was called in. And I'm thinking, what do you tell somebody? So finally, I found a, a Methodist pastor who was a dear friend of mine, and he had been doing it for a long time, and I counted him as probably one of the wisest men I knew when it came to hospital visitation. And I said, tell me, what do I do? He said, Mark, people won't remember what you say, but they will remember how you made them feel. And it makes people feel loved when you're willing just to be around them and love them. My prayer would be this, that this Easter would not be the one time that you made the house of God a place that you would attend. But it would become the place where you would say, I don't ever want to forget the Bible and what it says, and I will preach the Bible. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. My prayer for you is that your destiny would be fulfilled, that your life would be lived to the full, and that you would experience peace that passes all understanding. And that's not going to come without a fight because the thief wants to steal your peace and certainly wants to steal your joy because the joy of the Lord is our strength. When you lose your joy, you lose your strength. When you lose your strength, you'll lose the battle. It's not about your fight or your might as much as it is about the Holy Spirit inside your life. Keeping his joy and making it. He, Jesus said, I've come that you might have my joy and your joy might be complete. I want us to bow our heads, close our eyes. And those of you watching online, just take a moment to pause and listen to me. There are those of you today that you came to church once again hoping that something would happen, that your life would be changed forever. That's my prayer, is that something would have been said today, even if I didn't say it. But something in your heart, that, that there would have been this voice inside you that said, today is your day. You no longer have to live your life condemned and under the circumstances, under the cloud of guilt and despair. But that today, today, you can know that you are forgiven and that you don't have to fear death. You don't have to fear tomorrow because you have been forgiven and you've embraced that forgiveness. 41 years ago, July, in great despair and depression, I decided to give Jesus a chance. Nothing changed immediately but one thing. I realized for the first time in my life it wasn't about my achievements and my works, but it was by his work on the cross, his work to vacate the tomb, his work to ascend to the right hand of the Father and intercede for me that brought my life to a place of forgiveness, liberty, and freedom where fear no longer had authority. We're going to pray a prayer. And those of you that would say, I'm not a Christian. I'm not a follower of Christ. And as the Bible states, one man said, what must I do to be saved? 
The Bible says very simply, if you'll call upon the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. You confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. It's not by your works, lest any man should boast. It's by faith through grace that we come to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So I'm going to ask everyone in this room and everyone online watching to pray this prayer with me. Pray it in your inside voice, but make sure it's a voice. Pray this with me. Say, Father God, thank you for sending Jesus, your only son, to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin, and I call on your name, and I declare publicly that I am forgiven, and I am now a Christian. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.